Hi, and welcome to the Homeschool Snapshots podcast. I'm Pam Barnhill, your host, and this is the podcast that gives you a peek into the lives of the homeschoolers next door. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 50 of the Homeschool Snapshots podcast. I'm Pam Barnhill, your host, and I am so happy that you are joining me here today. Well, today we get to talk about one of my very favorite topics. We are talking all about organization with our guest, Christy Clover. Now, Christy has an organization course for homeschoolers in which she teaches you how to get organized for your entire school year all over the course of one or two weeks in the summer. This happens to be one of my favorite ways of planning the school year because once you're done, you put everything on autopilot and you go from there. Now, if you think that you could never keep up with a system like this or you're more fly by the seat of your pants than this organized, listen in anyway because we have some great tips for you near the end to help organization work with your personality and not against it. I think you're going to enjoy this episode of the podcast and we'll catch you with a special offer after we're done. Christy Clover is a homeschooling mother of five, the blogger at Raising Clovers, and the creator of the Simply Joyful podcast, encouraging women to find simple ways to bring joy into their everyday lives. Christy describes herself as one of the most organized, messy people you will ever meet. And through her Ultimate Homeschool Organization e-course and her book, Sanity Savers for Moms, she seeks to help other moms get organized and use simple solutions to tackle the chaos so many of us face at one time or another. Christy joins us on this episode of the podcast to give a little peek into her homeschool and to chat about one of my favorite topics, organization. Christy, welcome to the show. Thank you. So wonderful to be here. We'll start off by telling me a little bit about your family. Well, Steve and I have actually been married. We're going on 20 years this September. So it's a big milestone for us. So that's our fun little celebration this September. That's awesome. And then we have five kids. Grant is, well, we have three boys and then two girls. So I was a mom of boys for a very long time. And Grant is turning 15 in just, well, at the time of this recording, he's turning 15 in like five days, which is killing me because he's already about 6'2". And then Blake is 13, Wade is eight, Ashlyn is five, and Caitlin is three. Oh, wow. So how do you feel about having a kid who's going to have a learner's permit? I am dying right now. He is like ready to go out and get the process started like the day after he turns 15. (laughs) It's scary. It's weird. You know, we've got, you know, little tiny people and then we've got somebody who's ready to be on the driving side of things. Yeah, that is kind of scary. Just we keep talking about it. And our oldest is a girl and we're just kind of, yeah, I think I'd rather just keep talking about it. The good thing is that he's very mature and I feel like he's going to make a lot of great choices. He's a good one to start off this whole process of driving. And with we do a lot of basketball in our home. Well, not in our home, but in our family, we're a big basketball family. So it will be nice to have a driver to help with all of the taxing that we do. But yeah, it's definitely a brand new arena for us. Yeah. And I should say, I'm not saying so much that my daughter's going (laughs) to struggle with driving because she's a girl. She's a butterfly girl, you know, the kind of girl (laughs) where she's like, oh, butterfly, butterfly. (laughs) So (laughs) it's not that, you know, she's a girl. It's that she's a very highly distractible (laughs) girl. So yeah. 
Oh, goodness. Well, how did you guys get started homeschooling? Well, we have an interesting homeschool story in that we've kind of done it all. We started in a private preschool at our church, and it was kind of the thing to do is everybody at the church, especially all the moms in our MOPS program, everybody put their kids in this private Christian Montessori preschool. It was amazing. It was expensive, but it was amazing. And I had always been interested in homeschooling. And so I decided that I should practice. And I pulled them out of the preschool and took them home for a year. And that was when they were about four and three. And I bought a bunch of curriculum. And I planned out our entire day around trying to get schooling done with my four and three year old. So (laughs) it didn't go very smoothly. And I completely chickened out and it was a complete disaster. I mean, my son did learn to read. My oldest learned to read during that time. Had nothing to do with me. I have since learned. It was just he was ready to read at that time. But (laughs) it was crazy. So I put them back in the preschool, literally called and was like, can you please get them enrolled and get them a spot? And then I got pregnant with Wade about the time Grant was ready to enter kindergarten. And so I chickened out once again, and they went into a public school at that time. And we did public school with Grant for kindergarten, and we did public school for Grant and Blake for kindergarten and first grade. And within eight weeks, we pulled them out because that summer, God had been doing a big work in our lives. And it was pretty crazy. We literally had Ken Ham speak at our church and Dave Barton came and spoke at our church. So Ken Ham is obviously the author or not the author, but he runs Answers in Genesis. And then Dave Barton has American Heritage, which really incorporates, just showed us how much Christian history and Christian foundational things that there are that we wanted our kids to learn that we knew weren't in the public school. So when we went through that summer, I did the crazy prayer of, you know, Lord, we will homeschool if we get these teachers. Like we If we get these teachers, we'll put them back in school. But if we don't, we're going to homeschool. So I told, you know, the Lord that and told the principal that. So we got the teachers we had been praying for. (laughs) And probably a good week or two into that school year, I realized that God had called me to homeschool and he was not going to make it easy for me to make that decision by making sure we didn't get those teachers. He wanted me to come to the decision myself. And so I remember calling my husband because he happened to be out of town that week. And I was like, I think we need to homeschool. (laughs) But that was the beginning of our journey about nine years ago. So it's been it's been a fun journey. And you had never looked back. No, you know, we did the normal thing. I think a lot of homeschool families do where it's like, okay, we're going to choose to homeschool this year. And then we'll see if it doesn't go right. Then well, you know, we might put them back in school. And so we, we lived with that fear of, are they going to keep up to grade level? And we did play that game for probably our first two years. And then after that point, we just realized it's a lifestyle. And this is a commitment that we've made both to ourselves and to our kids, because we really view homeschooling as a discipleship opportunity. Right, right. That's interesting, because people talk about that whole, you know, I hear people debate about that idea. Should we say, oh, it's just a year, we can always go back? Or should you commit to, you know, this is what we're doing, and this is the way it's going to be? And you kind of came to the realization naturally, this is what's right for our family, and this is what we're going to do. Do you think it really matters one way or the other? I just think some people are so scared to homeschool that sometimes that's what they have to tell themselves. It's just a one-year commitment, and we will see where it goes. And I think when you're really giving your homeschool to the Lord, you'll see him work in that and he'll help you come to the conclusion that he wants for your family. But I think that every family, I really truly believe that every Christian family should pray about homeschooling 
but I'm not your Holy Spirit. I'm not anybody's Holy Spirit. So that's where I think it is an individual thing. But I think it adds more stress when people go into homeschooling thinking that because you are always going to be thinking, you know, am I going to keep up to if we have to put them back in public school, will we be keeping up with grade level? Are they going to be behind? Are we going to be judged? So I think it adds a ton of extra stress on people. So I always encourage people to write their whys down. Why Mm -hmm. is it that you want to homeschool? But then you have to kind of own it. You've got to own your homeschool and just know you're going to do things that's going to be different than the public schools. And that's awesome. Yeah. And I think it takes a lot of people a few years before they can really get brave enough to step out and say, it's okay that I'm different than the public school. This is what's working for us. Yeah. I think it was magically right around that three-year mark that we hit that. We're like, oh, hey, (laughs) right. I think we know what we're kind of doing. Yeah, I think it was probably pretty similar for us. And that doesn't mean everything's been perfect since then. (laughs) It's just it took the couple of years to kind of get the feet under us. Yeah, definitely. All right, Christy. Well, your homeschool day is most like which literary classic? And you can pick any one that you want. Oh, anyone. Well, I've listened to your podcasts in the past, and I'd have to say that Swiss Family Robinson probably meets our style a little bit more. We like adventure. We like fun. We like doing things together. I'm not afraid to think outside of the box. And I think that book definitely looks at that. And plus, I love science. And so that book, I was like, oh, my goodness, look at all of the amazing things that they're learning in this book. (laughs) (laughs) They did do a lot of learning in that book. And I'm like, you could design an entire curriculum around that book. It really touches on almost every single discipline there is. I would be really surprised if somebody hasn't designed an entire curriculum around that book. (laughs) Well, you were telling me that you have been speaking quite a bit at some homeschool conventions this spring. So if you were walking down the aisle of a homeschool vendor hall and you turned the corner and met a younger version of yourself, what would you tell her? Oh, I would tell her to breathe, breathe. Like I think I put, I'm a researcher at heart. So anytime I embark on any new journey, whether it was homemaking or having babies or homeschooling, I research things like crazy and I'm a perfectionist at heart. And so I get into this paralysis that if I don't do it perfectly, then I'm a failure. And so I think I definitely tell myself to breathe and then tell myself to give myself a lot of grace. That's really the message I try to say at every single homeschool convention is give yourself grace and give your kids grace because homeschooling is a whole different ballgame than anything you've ever embarked on before. And so we need to breathe and give ourselves grace. Do you find that your perfectionism sometimes tends to make you a procrastinator? It does. Yes, it really does. (laughs) That's why I think I say that I'm such an oxymoron because I am, I refer to myself as a lazy perfectionist and that's, it doesn't always go together, but yes, I kind of, I get this whole paralysis that happens because if it can't be done perfectly, then I almost don't want to do it at all. Yeah. I think there are a lot of moms out there who beat themselves up for procrastination and they just, they call themselves lazy or something like that. But really they just want to do such a good job so badly and it causes them Mm -hmm. to freeze up. Oh, yes. Yeah. Well, how do you fix a homeschool day gone bad? (laughs) Oh, well, there's always going to be bad days. It really depends on like the degree to which the day is bad. (laughs) If it's a really bad day, then we literally, I truly believe in stopping what we're doing and either changing our environment. So sometimes we'll take school outside and just change where we're doing things to kind of make things a little bit more fun. And sometimes we'll just stop and just take the rest of the day off. Maybe we'll take the next day off. And I try to find 
fun things to do. Because I think at the heart of a lot of it is our family unity. And so my two goals in our homeschool, my number one goal is for my kids at the end of the day to love the Lord with all their heart, soul, mind, and strength. And my second goal is for them to develop a love for learning. And so if we're having a hard day and that is going to make them start growing in bitterness towards homeschooling and learning, then that's, I'm not achieving my goal. So that's why I truly believe in either changing things up a little bit or just taking a break. And maybe we will rent a movie and pop some popcorn and do something fun. But, you know, I try to do it so that my kids don't purposely try to have a bad day so that they get that <laughs> we still have to get work done. But those days when I really feel like it's just I'm hitting wall after wall, I'll sometimes kind of just announce that it's going to be we're done. Right. Your kids wouldn't be sneaky like that, though, would they? <sighs> no. What child would ever manipulate something like that? Never. Well, <laughs> what do you think is the best part of getting to homeschool your kids? Really, the relationships that we've developed, I think, is probably the most important and special part of things. You know, I always hear people when you when you drop the homeschool bomb on them, they usually will think you're crazy if they, you know, sometimes you get those people like, oh, that's neat, but I could never do that. But then you'll get the people that look at you like you have like 10 extra eyes on your face and they think you're absolutely crazy because their thought is that they could never do that. They couldn't be home with their kids all the time. And so what I found is, is it's forced us to get on top of disciplinary issues and it's really forced us to learn how to get along. And I have seen my older kids develop these beautiful relationships with my little kids. I mean, I have an almost 15-year-old and a three-year-old in the house. If we were in public school, he would be busy and gone most of the day and he would not know her. And so to see their relationship growing has been really the most beautiful part of our homeschool. Yeah. And you know what I would say to those moms who worry about, you know, if you're kind of on the fence about homeschooling and you're worried, you know, how am I going to stand my kid? It's not the same kid. You know, it's not the same kid that comes home, you know, at 3.30 or 4 o'clock who's tired from holding themselves upright in a desk all day, you know, bottling up all of their emotions so that they could just survive in this environment. And then they just let it all out on you. I mean, you get to see such a different side to your kids when they're home all day. And, you know, that's what I try to tell people is it's not the same kid at all. Oh, yeah. No, it's great. And, you know, we have those moments where everybody's tense and, and, you know, (laughs) not getting along. And so that's when we will change things up. But that's when I also do like mandatory outside time. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Like go get energy out. So and yeah, it is. It's really neat to see that because when we brought the kids home, you know, first of all, my toddler was like, what are you guys doing home? This is my mom time. And then Grant and Blake were, you know, kind of wondering what in the world are we doing? And so you do have that growing pains. The first if you've had your kids in school, you'll feel that for the first several weeks until you really get the pace down. And so my encouragement with the families who are pulling their kids out of a traditional school environment, it's just really relax and to spend time getting used to the routine of everyone being home together. And then kind of moving on from there. Yes, yes. Okay, well, you've told me the best part. So what about the worst part? What's the part you kind of struggle with? Well, for me, it's probably the bad attitudes. It's, you know, it's those days when you feel like you're just kind of coming up against a wall. And we, I have been blessed. I'm blessed. It's a blessing to have three strong-willed children. I will not ever reveal who they are. (laughs) I have three (laughs) strong-willed children. And so that makes a very interesting dynamic often in our homeschool. So that is usually where when I find out that, you know, they're 
you know, slowly getting a little behind on something. And so I'll find like the pieces of paper that they didn't get to or, you know, it's work that's not done to the best of their ability. That's when I have to check in on my perfectionism as well. And I have to go back to my goals and think about that. And, you know, I truly want the heart of my child to be the Lord's. And then also I want their heart to be drawn to our family. So I often have to like stop myself and think, is this because I want perfection from them or is it something that we need to get on top of because this is a bad habit that needs to be broken and in the long run, it'll bless them for me to teach them this lesson in discipline and in, you know, diligence. But yeah, that's probably the hardest part for me is when, because I, again, I am a perfectionist. So it has more to do with me than anything else. Yeah. If they would just do what I wanted them to do, life would be so much easier. Totally. Not just for me, for them too. <laughs> no, they should glean from my wisdom. That's right. Oh, but yeah, I hear you on the strong-willed kids. It's always a struggle, but so worth it. Oh, absolutely. And you know what? I have seen how God has turned strong wills. When you hit that sweet spot of their strong will turning over to be a strong will for the Lord, I mean, they're unstoppable. So I love and I embrace that. But until I see the wholehearted turnover, it's not that my kids don't love the Lord, but there just comes that time I, I see in a lot of adults that I know who were strong-willed children where it kind of becomes this like rubber meets the road and I will never falter from following the Lord. Because, you know, so that's that's what I'm going for. That's what I'm clinging to. Yeah. yeah and it's, sometimes it's a, it's a rocky road, long way to get there. Yes. Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about being organized. First okay. off, I want to start with this question. Have you always been organized? Are you one of those born organized people? <laughs> no. In fact, in high school, you'd have to do like this running jump to get into the one spot that was clear. And then from there, you jump to my bed. So no, I have not always been organized. Okay. So this is something you've developed over time. Yes. No, it well, it really hit in college when I was sharing a room with someone else and I realized, oh my goodness, like I need, that's when I really realized my need for order. And I never felt that so much at home because we had a house that we lived in. So my room didn't matter to me. But when you are living in one room, I realized I did really thrive in order. And that's when I also discovered that I do have a pretty organized brain and I approach things differently than a lot of people. And it also helps that my husband is also a perfectionist and he loves order and structure. So in order to bless him, I try to keep some semblance of order in our home. But we also have a whole bunch of moving parts, so it doesn't always happen. Right. Well, what, well let's talk about that. What are some of the biggest obstacles to getting organized in your homeschool or in your home? Oh, most definitely the kids. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will spend so much time organizing something so beautifully and perfectly and they will come and be like, oh, mom, what's this? And they'll take it all apart. So that's probably the hardest part is that I just have kids that, you know, it, and it's mainly the little kids, the older kids, you can start training. And I definitely have those that love picking things up and like looking at them and walking to another part of the house and dropping, setting them down and not realizing where they set up down. And so we're, you know, we're moving things. But yeah, that's probably the biggest obstacle would honestly be the kids, because I once heard somebody say that trying to keep your house clean and having kids in the house is like trying to eat Oreos and brush your teeth at the same time. Yeah, that's pretty much an accurate description right there. <laughs> I completely agree. Well, let's talk a little bit about some of your favorite organization hacks. What do you like to do to get yourself organized as a homeschool mom? What do you use? 
Well, my absolute favorite hack for a homeschool organization is the crate system. And I have a homeschool organization course that I designed and it goes through different systems. But my absolute favorite one is the crate because I developed it. So, I mean, a lot of people use crates for different things, but I have color coded it and really helped people to plan out their entire year in one crate, unless you have a lot of kids then it might overflow to a second crate. (laughs) We hit our second crate this year. But that has been my biggest hack is to actually not be afraid to tear apart your workbooks and really take a look at what you would like to accomplish in your year and put it in the crate, just assign it a week to get it done and just put it in there and and go for it. Okay, so what happens if you get behind? Ooh, so if you get behind, there's all kinds of different hacks that you can do (laughs) with that. So it depends on if it's something where like math, for instance, math is something where they might hit a stumbling block where we need to take a break and we need to really work on the foundation work. We might need to pull out those times tables again and really focus on getting those concreted in their brain so that they can move forward. So in that case, I just as we hit that week, I'm pulling math out and I'll just put it in an extra little hanging file folder in the front of the crate and I'll just start putting their math there. And so when we're ready to catch back up again, we just pull from the front. So it's just a matter of kind of shifting things a little. If it's something where, oh my goodness, we have fallen way behind, then I will just take all of that work out and stick it up there up front or I'll just readjust it. And I don't do that every, I do not do that every day. I do not do that every week. It's just something that, you know, if I find that I'm regularly moving work from one week to the next, then I might take a, you know, an hour one evening and just plop my crate down in front of a TV show or something like that and just move some work around. And so it ends up being a pretty simple process for me because I've been using the crate for so long. But that's typically what I do if we're falling behind or if we're moving forward. One of my sons right now, using math as an example, he is just like going crazy and just loving the math that he's doing. And so he'll do an entire chapter in one week. And so not even one week, I'm sorry, in like a few days. So then we're grabbing week work from the next day. And that's again, when I just, I just let him go for it. So he knows how to find it in his crate and he will finish up very fast. Okay. Yeah. That was actually my next question because, you know, I have a kid, we use Matthew C. So I have a kid who's just yes. started a book and the, the beginning of the book is a lot of review and it just happens to be the division book. And he just came off of the multiplication book. And so you know, he's doing the ones and the tens and the fives and all of the ones he knows really well. He doesn't even need to do all of those pages. So you don't let the crate kind of hem you in to something that's inflexible. You move forward through the crate faster or pull things out and move slower as you need to. Oh, yes. No, I think that's the most important thing is that, you know, I set up structure and order in our homeschool and then life happens. And so When life is happening, we flow with life. So if we need to ditch a part of history and just skip it completely because we're we're feeling like we're falling behind or if we're suddenly interested in something, then we'll stick with it and forget about some other parts or just not finish the work that we had in the crate. But no, I think with homeschooling, you have to be flexible. So that's probably sometimes where the dueling side of my personality (laughs) falls into like this, oh, what are we doing? But that's what I've really had to train myself because I see the joy that comes from that, the joy from letting go of some of the things that I had planned out. And I tend to be an over planner. I'm an overachiever. So I will plan out some things that we just won't get to. And that's okay. I've learned to be okay with that. So yeah, I don't want people to ever feel like they have to be stuck with the crate. We just adjust and we just pull things where we need to. And if we're getting, it's getting too crazy, then I'll just readjust it. Okay, that's interesting. And you know, I love planning too. And I think one of the reasons why I love planning is planning is so perfect. 
you know, there's nothing more perfect than an unimplemented plan. (laughs) Then you start implementing it and it just all, you know, goes crazy. But I think it's, to me, it's always good to have a plan that you're willing Mm -hmm. to adjust than to not have a plan at all and kind of be wandering around lost. Yes, no, absolutely. And I think that is one of the key things about having a system that actually works is the ability for that system to be tweakable. Like, I don't know if that's a new word or not, but the tweakability of a system is probably one of the most important factors of staying somewhat organized. Because I think like when like my, for example, when I first started homeschooling, I did what I thought I was supposed to do. And I went out and I got myself a teacher planner and I sat down for nights and nights and I planned out our entire school year today. To, to, to the day, you know, I had, you know, February 3rd planned and February 4th planned. And, you know, by day three of our homeschool, I realized I had planned improperly and I was had eraser dust everywhere. And, you know, a few weeks in and I felt like a failure. So that's where I think finding a system that you can make work with your homeschool is really important. Yeah. Yeah. The whole putting things in a specific day, it just... It completely doesn't work. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's talk about sometimes we're enthusiastic about creating and implementing a new system for planning and organization, but then we have a hard time maintaining that system long term. So what do you think are some key features of a sustainable system? We've already talked about flexibility. Is there anything else? You know, I the big thing for me is I always try Anything daily is scary to me because it's really hard to know daily. But when you plan weekly, I think that's the most helpful thing. So we have our homeschool kind of planned out by week. And I never write what that week's date is until we are literally at that date. And so I find that that adds that I guess we were talking about flexibility, but that really, I think, helps. But I, again, with any plan, I think the long-term success is your ability to adjust and to make adjustments. because. I had a year where I had a major surgery that was completely unexpected. I had no idea the summer before when I was planning out our homeschool that I was going to be on my back for six to eight weeks. And my homeschool was able to continue because I had had some of the structure and the crate and some other systems that I had and already designed. But even then, it's like, well, you know, my two oldest were able to continue homeschooling pretty easily. But My eight-year-old, well, at the time he was six or seven. So, you know, we had to take a little break with him and I had to give myself grace there. And that's a big thing that I try to do is sometimes I just narrow it down to the three R's. We do reading, writing, and arithmetic. And that's where our focus is. Yeah. And I love the fact that you mentioned that it's, you plan it by the week. So when you're talking about your file folders in your crate, these aren't daily file folders. These are actually weekly file folders. And they're not labeled with, this is August 2nd through I guess that would be the fifth or sixth or whatever. I can't do math, (laughs) but you know. That's okay. (laughs) uh, But you know, you have, this is week one. And so you don't have to try to match that week's folder to a specific week on the calendar. No, and that's exactly it. So yes, each, the crate is designed with 34 weeks for our homeschool because we only do, we plan out for 34 weeks. I know some curriculum is 36, so you might have 36. But we plan out by week. I don't even put numbers on the file folders. I only put numbers on the hanging file folders. So that way it's easier to recreate for the next year when we empty everything. And another big thing I do is I color code my kids. It just makes it so much simpler. So Grant is green, Blake is blue, Wade is red, and Ashton is now purple. So 
who knows what Caitlin will be. She'll probably be pink or yellow or something like that. So is the color coding the color of the folders that you're putting all of their work in or what? It is the color of everything. So if something has a color, that's what it is. So for our crate, all of the green folders are going to be for Grant. In our workbooks that we create, so not a workbooks, but our checklist, I have a weekly checklist that I create with the homeschool program that I designed. And on those for the checklist, I am actually copying them onto colored paper so that when they're left open, I can quickly identify that that green checklist is Grant's, the blue one is Blake's, and then anything else that requires any kind of identification that we are using colors for. So even if it's choreless or something outside of even our homeschool, I'm doing a quick little color code on that as well. Well, let me ask you this, Christy. First of all, how much time do you say you spend in the summer putting all of this together for the year? Could you give me an estimate? Well, that's tough because I've been doing it for so long. So I'm pretty fast at getting my crate ready now because number one, it's already ready. By the end of the year, it's all empty and it's all in order. And so it's ready to be filled. It depends on what type of curriculum I'm using. So when we are sticking very wholeheartedly to my father's world or some kind of curriculum that already has student pages, then I just open that baby up and just slip them in. And it takes me probably a week of spending a couple hours a night to get it done. If I am creating notebook papers and doing all kinds of other work, then it might take me two weeks to really dissect it and jump into it and get it together. But it all really depends on what we're doing each year and how complicated I've decided to try to make our homeschool. So probably somewhere between yeah, 12 to 30 hours. Yeah, that's probably a good guesstimate. It just, again, if year to year, it changes. There's some years where I'm like, wow, that was fast. <laughs> and other right. years where, you know, I, it took me a long time because I, especially when I was developing the crate system and really figuring out the best way to put it together. And some years I had our checklist completely ready to go and it was bound and it was ready. And I had other years where it wasn't and it just kept that little clip on top of it. And we just moved papers as we went along. So there's, I mean, it really depends on how wholeheartedly you want to do each and every element of the different systems. Well, and where I'm going with this, because I'm a summer planner too, and a lot of people just think I'm crazy for spending time. And it takes me about 20 hours in the summer to get everything planned out. Um, So my next question is, once it's done, how much time do you spend planning during the school year? Well, that's the beautiful thing is that during the school year, I really am not having to do much of any planning because it's already been completely planned out. So that's when people ask, because I always have people ask, so how do you find time to write and podcast and do all the different things you do? Well, a lot of that has to do with the fact that I have really, I've spent that those summer you know, months, not every month, but I've spent time during the summer really being strategic about streamlining our homeschool. And so once we are in our homeschool year, my kids know exactly what to get done. They have a folder that they're going to pull every week and it has everything they need to get done for the week. I have the overachiever children who think, oh, if I get this done in three days and I have two days, I don't have to get much done. So it makes it so easy. And so unless I've got a major change, like a curriculum that's not working, I usually am not having to spend a lot of time spinning my wheels during the school year, which was not my experience when I first started homeschooling. When we first started, I felt like I spent a good two hours every single day having to figure out what we were going to learn that day. Where are the books? So that's probably 
So if we have a craft or a project, that's probably the one thing that I have to probably work on is just make sure that I have the supplies for that. But again, I've tried to, I usually try to make sure we have everything. And if I was super crazy, ridiculously organized, I would have everything in a large Ziploc bag that we needed for each week. But I have not gotten to that to that. You haven't got <laughs> to, to the super crazy, you know, point no, yet. Yeah. I'm not well, super and crazy I tell yet. you for our co-op, we do that. We choose. So in the summer, and I realize it's a co-op, not a family, but you can really do the same thing for a family. <laughs> we choose what history projects we're going to work on throughout the year. We make a copy either from the book or print it out on the internet of the instruction sheets. We slip it in a two gallon Ziploc bag and we yes. put anything in there we need that is not like the stuff we generally have sitting around in the cabinet. So, you know, we don't slip crayons or, you know, copy paper or tape or things like that in there. But if any, if it's anything that we specifically need for that project, we put it in there and you could totally do that at home. Um, oh, yeah. As well. And, and I have that done for our kindergarten curriculum. So it actually makes it easier when we hit that week for kindergarten. I have all of our A supplies in one Ziploc and I just have it in a big bin on the shelf. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I think more people would be a little happier and satisfied <laughs> with their homeschooling because I do. I plan it all out in the summer. I have very little that I do during the school year, maybe 30 minutes a week, 45 minutes yeah. a week at, for, at the most. And that, that would be like a big week. And, you know, it just kind of runs itself. We, we just kind of do the next thing because I've set everything up to be do the next thing through the school year. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then when I'm doing that in the summer, I tell everybody, okay, I'm doing homeschool planning this week. That's what I'm doing. That's my thing. When I'm not raising my children, I'm doing homeschool <laughs> planning, you know, or, or yes. making sure that there's food on the table. And then I'm not trying to work at that time. And then later when we're homeschooling, I don't have to worry about homeschool planning. I can record a podcast or something like exactly, that. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Very much so. Well, what if I am a fly by the seat of my pants kind of person and I don't, I just don't take any joy in systems or checklists? Is there any way for me to be organized? Oh, absolutely. I think anybody can be organized. It's just going to look different for each family. I really think the most important thing for any person, the fly by the seat of your pants or the highly organized structured person is I think the most important thing every family needs to do when they're homeschooling is to write out your goals. And I don't mean like this year. I mean, you can do goals that specific. This year, we're going to teach, you know, Sally to ride her bike and, you know, learn her alphabet. So those are good goals to know. But what are your overarching goals? Like what's the blueprint for your family that you're really looking for? So I already described the fact that we have two goals for my kids to love the Lord and to love learning. So then I write out what are three things that I want to incorporate in my homeschool in order to see those happen. And I think even a fly by the seat of your pants person could accomplish this in 10 minutes if they just wanted to do something, write something up really quick. You can spend a weekend meditating on it as well if you wanted to. But I think that's important because I think that's going to drive what your homeschool looks like. And that's what I actually really love about the crate is that you can just stick some pages in it. I mean, especially if you're using a curriculum like a Becca or Sunlight or different curriculum that already have your weeks planned out, you're just putting your weeks plan into the crate. And it's super easy and it makes things so much simpler to do. But I think even those people that just want to kind of experience what everything is, then I would just tell people to start with some system, pick a system of some sort to just embrace. Yeah. And, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here thinking about the people who are like, well, I we're a little more delight directed and I can't commit to an entire yes. year. 
well, you know what? Commit to eight weeks or 12 weeks and, you know, look at what your kids are interested in right now at this moment. Put a bunch of stuff in the crate, you know, Mm -hmm. live with it and do it, even if you don't finish it all and then do it again. But for that eight or 12 weeks, you can breathe, you know? Oh, yeah. 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 Very much so. You don't have to do the entire school year. And even like you can make a workbox work for you well, those little like 10 drawer workboxes where maybe you're putting language arts in one thing. And so you can figure out of like maybe three or four books that you're kind of going through or having fun with, with your, you know, any kind of like an unschooling situation. Well, then it's all right there. Like that's what's amazing is that you can use bins, you can use crates, you can use boxes, you can use workboxes, you know, whatever it is or Ziplocs, like we already mentioned, but putting things in one place just makes it so much easier because then you can find it. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, that's like half the battle sometimes, just being able to find what you need. So, well, Christy, out of reach of the kids. (laughs) Exactly. Yes, very much so. Are you ready for the fast five? Yes. Okay, here we go. What is one thing in your Amazon cart at this moment? A black purse because mine broke. Oh, Favorite family read aloud? Ooh, that's a good one. I would probably go. Actually, we love Lion, Witch, in the Wardrobe. We're going through round two of it right now. Best field trip ever? Oh, we love the Reagan Museum, but my kids would vote for In-N-Out. We did an In-N-Out field trip, and it was the best because, of course, it ended with free burgers and fries. Okay, so they got to go like behind the scenes? Oh, yeah. It was amazing. Okay, you just made me hungry. Oh, seriously. Um, it's like the best <laughs> field trip ever. <laughs> we do not have in and out here in Alabama. Oh, so I'm oh, going to have to come to California and go. Out. What are you reading right now? Well, I just finished going through Never Unfriended by Lisa Joe Baker. And the next up on my list is Secret Courage by Trisha Goyer. Okay. And fill in the blank for me. I have got to have blank to get me through the day. Well, Jesus is the obvious answer there, but I would also add in coffee. In fact, those mugs that I see everywhere that says all I need is Jesus and coffee. Those were made for me. That's (laughs) I love it. (laughs) Christy, tell everybody where they can find you online. Well, pretty much everything can be found at christyclover.com. And I've got links to all the various things, whether it's my Ultimate Homeschool Organization course, which, by the way, listeners here can get $10 off with the coupon code SNAPSHOTS. Okay, and we're going to have that coupon good through Friday, June 2nd, and all you have to do is enter it in there, and we'll have a link for that course for you guys on the show notes and a copy of the coupon code over there. So, Christy, thank you so much for joining me here today. It was awesome. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It was a lot of fun. There you have it. Now, we wanted to be sure to mention that Christy has a brand new homeschooling book coming out in June called Homeschooling Basics. So be sure to look for that on Amazon. And we have all the links and resources that Christy and I talked about today, including the coupon code and information about how to use it, plus links to Christy's Simply Joyful podcast. You'll want to be sure to check that out. All of that is on the show notes for this episode of Homeschool Snapshots. And you can find that at pambarnhill.com forward slash HSP50. Now, this is our last episode of the season. We are heading into our summer hiatus and I'm going to get to sit back and enjoy a few days by the pool and spending time with my family. We'll be back again in August with more episodes of the podcast. And until then, you guys have a lovely summer and keep on homeschooling. 